This is On the Line. From the capstone to the plains, in-depth coverage, opinions, and analysis of the most heated rivalry in all of sports. All things Alabama and Auburn are right here. Now, you're on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law on Fox Sports Central Alabama AU100 and Kicks 96.3 or on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. If you're listening to us on the radio across those three stations, we thank you for joining us on your Saturday morning at 10 a.m. We're getting you pumped up and ready to go for another college football weekend. Jeremy, how you doing today, my man? What's going on, my friend? I'm probably doing a lot better than you are and a lot of people on the planes. I know we're going to get into a lot of topics around college football, but it's good to always talk college football. Great to be on radio every Saturday morning. Looking forward to a great hour of a show. Let's just be real. Every week, the Auburn mob gets larger and larger. I'm still not in it. I understand everybody's frustrations. We'll get to that later when we talk about Auburn. But first, let's talk about Alabama, the team that you dug a grave for last week going into the game against Georgia. And guess what happens? Offense beat out defense. Some of the new age college football analysts coming down to the woodworks to talk about how offense is how you win championships. And with this Alabama team, I would tend to agree with them because I picked that offense, that Feels like it could score 80 a game if they wanted to, to beat out the best defense in college football. And that's exactly what they did. And just like I told you, the, even the most elite can only hope to contain, and they did not contain the Alabama Crimson Tide. Let's start this out by saying that um, Stetson Bennett is the worst quarterback of any contender across the country. That's how bad Stetson Bennett is. He ha- he we had to start out with that? <laughs> yes, that's how bad he is, and that is also why I'm still not sold on this Pete Golding defense. Now, I am sold on Mac Jones. If you bought the stock seven months ago, you are filthy freaking rich right now, right? You got this at pennies on the dollar. Now it's a $100 stock. I didn't buy back then. I wish I did. I'm one of the few people that did not. I won't say one of the few. I'm probably almost in the majority of Alabama fans who just did not buy it based on what your eyes had seen. But for Mac Jones and this Alabama offense, and I think Steve Sarkeesian I, cemented his spot as the top offensive coordinator in college football for what he did to that Georgia defense after the first interception. We got beat on a blitz on the very first play of the game. Three plays later for Alabama, when they get back out on the field, we score a touchdown on the exact same look because of what Steve Sarkeesian is able to do. This offense can score. I thought Mac Jones had some happy feet in the pocket, but listen, he also took a lot of shots. It's okay to have happy feet when you're taking shots. To me, it almost looked like he was so good, but he never had a wide stance in his feet. He would kind of, you know, he was a little jittery, but he made the throws. And that's that's really where it counts. And now he had a quick clock in his head. I thought the OC, once again, Sar- Sarkeesian did a great job of making sure the ball was out fast. And when it wasn't coming out fast, you always had an extra blocker, whether that be a running back or a tight end, to give Mac Jones enough time. 
But how about that Alabama offensive line? Nobody runs the ball on the Georgia Bulldogs, right? Nobody. You haven't seen it. Now, they haven't. I think we've proved they didn't really play anybody over the first uh, three or four games of the year. But that Alabama offensive line is something serious. And Najee Harris, to me, if Mac Jones isn't on his team, he is going to win a Heisman Trophy. He's on pace for like 35 touchdowns. He can get that done. If you were playing, a, I think, a 14-game season. But we're playing a 10-game regular season right here. Najee Harris is probably the best back in college football right now. And this Alabama offense is humming, so I give it to you, Noah Gardner. Offense outweighed defense, especially when the other offense is led by Stetson Bennett, who is the he might be the worst quarterback on the field in the Southeastern Conference. What's most impressive to me about the Alabama offense isn't Mac Jones and Najee Harris, and I'm not taking away from what they're doing right now. Anywhere else in the country, I don't think Mac Jones is nearly as good as what he's doing at Alabama, and I don't think Najee Harris is the best running back in college football. If he's at any other team in the country, I think what is most impressive about this Alabama offense is the offensive line and the wide receivers. I think the wide receivers are making Mac Jones better, and I think the offensive line is paving the way for Najee Harris. I'm not taking away from what those guys are doing because they are enjoying incredible seasons. Najee Harris is still a very good running back, and Mac Jones is making all the throws right now. When you've got that offensive line and when you've got those wide receivers, yes, they can make Mac Jones look like one of the best quarterbacks in the country if not the best quarterback in the SEC. And so I've been uber impressed with Mac Jones. Kind of feels like the second coming of Joe Burrow. A little bit different in Mac Jones' situation than what it was for Joe Burrow a year ago. Joe Burrow didn't have – he definitely had the receiving core that Mac Jones has right now, but I wouldn't say that he had the same supporting cast on the offensive line. His offensive line won the top offensive line award. They were the whatever award that is in the end of the year. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire comes out. He's a first-round draft pick. Uh, what, I guess that's true, but we at, don't expect it to come from LSU. We at, expect it to come from Alabama. At what point do we, and, and, uh, me included, at what point do we stop saying Mac Jones, either we have to stop saying that Mac Jones is benefiting from the talent around him while we don't say the same things about Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Joe Burrow, blah, 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 the list goes on and on, or we say, they're all benefiting from the talent around them. Joe Burrow had three first-round wide receivers on his team last year. Right now, Mac Jones has two. He had the best offensive line in the country. And he really, I think he did, from, especially from a pass-blocking perspective and what Joe Brady wanted to get done last year. So does Mac Jones. I'm not saying Mac Jones is Joe Burrow. And I'm not saying that Tre- Mac Jones is Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. But at some point, we have to stop saying... Well, Mac Jones just has good players around him. Well, so do those other three guys. Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. They're all recruiting in the top five each and every year, and they all got a lot of talent around them. Why are we not talking about Mac Jones? Me included. Why why are we not talking about Mac Jones? Well, how does Alabama compare to some of those other teams you're talking about, namely Clemson and Ohio State, in terms of this national championship picture? Big Ten makes its return to college football this weekend when they play Nebraska, that'll be Ohio State's matchup. And then Clemson, of course, they haven't played a good team yet on their schedule, but you see what they did to Georgia Tech, 73-7, rip to the Yellow Jackets. We know Clemson's a very good football team, but I don't think we know how good. I think we know exactly 
how good Alabama is, and it is incredible. I think this Alabama team is an unstoppable force this year in college football. They just played the best defense in college football, and they made it. They minced it. They chopped it up. They cubed it. They made it look inferior compared to their weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I stand by my statement. Even the elite teams in college football can only hope to contain this Alabama offense, and I don't think it's possible to stop it. And with that being said, I think Alabama's going to win the national championship. That is my stake right here. Alabama's going to win the natty this year. I don't trust the defense. Alabama gave I, – I know – You don't have to trust the defense. But Put all the stock no, no, into no, the horses no, on they offense. They were losing 24-20 to 20 at halftime. They gave up 24 24- – now, one of them was a big, long, busted play, and Christian Harris had no idea what he was doing. I get it, but it could so it could have been twenty to seventeen or whatever. But no, they were losing by four at halftime. They gave up twenty four points to Stetson Bennett in the first half, and then no and if, more in the. But second if Stetson half. Bennett doesn't come out and one throw was just barely off, it hit his receiver in the hand. I understand. The second one, what is this guy doing? His team's still in the ball game, still has a chance to keep his team in it until the end, and he just rolls out on a third down where he has a chance to at least punt, and he hits Daniel Wright right in the chest. There's not a Georgia guy 10 to 15 yards around the ball. What where is you that, at right now with this Alabama defense and Pete Golding? For the past I couple think, weeks, you've been on the you've been F, on the hate train. Now, they were an F. They have been – they went a – probably a C-plus against Missouri, especially in the second half how they performed. I would say uh, a C-plus against Texas A&M because they can't get off the field on third downs. They're, listen, there's no way you can grade them anything higher than an F against Ole Miss. Ole Miss scored on like 10 of, or let's say 7 of like 10 possessions. Gave up 48 F. points. Don't have yeah. to sell me. F. This week, I'd, I'd give them a D in the first half, and I'll give Stetson Bennett an F in the second half. And that's why Alabama's defense is, <laughs> it's like there's only 100 total points to get, right? And in the second half, Alabama's defense got 70. Stetson Bennett made a 30 on the exact same test. There's only 100 points to go around. I'm not sold on the defense. Mac Jones has played almost perfect football the entire season. He has two picks. One of them he gets hit for behind a Georgia. One tipped at the line against Texas A&M. He's on the money. But you're still losing at halftime to Stetson Bennett. We, they can't tackle. They're out, of, they're out of alignment. They're out of place. They're never in the right coverage, especially at linebacker with Dylan Moses. Malachi Moore... Is, is he the best player on the team, him, him and Patrick Sertan? One of them's a true freshman. One of them will be the first corner off the board. Other than that, they have no depth across the defensive line. They got gashed and gashed and gashed in that first half against Georgia. No, what did I tell you? I said, if Alabama can keep pressure on Stetson Bennett, he will fold. And he did. What happens when the pressure stays on Alabama's offense because the defense can't get a stop? Mac Jones played perfect football against Ole Miss. And you agree? I think he played about as well as he could possibly play. It's not hard to play perfect football against Ole Miss. Well, how, but it's, it, it is hard to – I think it is a little understated that he had to score nine touchdowns, and he scored nine touchdowns. I mean, he scored nine touchdowns on ten drives. I mean, that's pretty dang good. Now, that doesn't happen to a lot of people. And also, Ole Miss's offense just went out and did whatever they did against Arkansas. <laughs> don't know what that was. I'm still. Is it okay that I don't just buy it all? Can I not? Can I not love the offense while still being a little bit unsatisfied 
Oh yeah, maybe I'm defense? getting ahead of myself. I right think now. you are. Maybe I shouldn't say that Alabama's just going to outright win the national championship oh, yeah, after they just wrong. beat Georgia with Stetson Bennett. But I'm still, I'm still skeptical that there's any defense in college football that can stop this offense. But, but you may not have to stop them for more than 30 points if the defense isn't as good as you. It, it isn't as bad. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. If the defense is as bad as you think it is, then you will be right. Clemson and Ohio State can score on that Alabama defense. The question is, who's going to get the stops in those football games? Will it be Ohio State and Clemson or Alabama? And for some reason, I'm feeling more comfortable about Alabama's defense over the course of this season. Right now, if you said Alabama and Clemson are playing, both teams get 10 drives, no matter what. At the end of the game, I think Clemson – scores more points. Alabama's off. Mac Jones, to me, there's no more questions about his limitations other than he's not mobile. I get it. But our defense has so many limitations right now. And if Alabama scores six touchdowns on ten possessions versus Clemson, that's great. It's not a shot at our offense. But Clemson, could they find a way to score seven out of ten with the best some of the best offensive players in the country, the absolute best quarterback in the country, Dabo Swinney, an offensive genius, and a really good defense, could they go 7 out of 10 and Bama go 6 out of 10? I could see that all day. I'm, I still think Alabama, there's people like you calling them a lock, Noah, but there's still Clemson and Ohio State out there, two of the big boys. I think Alabama's a lock for the national championship. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself on saying that they'll win the thing, but I think they're a lock to make it. Well, that listen, if, if they're a two seed, they're going to play Ohio State. If they're a three seed, they're going to play Ohio State. I don't think Clemson gets knocked off their number one spot because they're going to continue to beat teams by 40 points. Do you think there's any hope in the college football playoff rankings whenever they're released that Alabama jumps to number one? Well, so what's the body of work look like? Because Clemson has no body of work. It's not their fault. They play in a horrible conference. That's not Clemson's fault. It's like, so my question to you here then is because you're going in the right direction that I want you to, is the win over Georgia enough to put Alabama in front of Clemson at number one if Clemson goes on to beat North Carolina and Notre Dame. So your body of work is North Carolina and Notre Dame versus Georgia. I think the North Carolina win will just be – it will be a bad North win. And would anybody pick Notre Dame after what they just did last weekend like with, against Louisville, what, a 12-6 to victory? Would anybody pick Notre Dame to beat Alabama? No. The Alabama would be a 13.5-point favorite out of the gate. The Georgia win is huge. And I think it's not only, from from the public's perspective, not only the 17 points, but how the game ended. Alabama got the ball with six and a half minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And Georgia never touched it again. I mean, Al, that, it was over. Alabama didn't. And it was left, right, left, right. Georgia tried to stop it. You're not going to stop it. So style points now for Alabama is so important. And every single game that Alabama plays from here out has to be building the resume for the committee to say, look, these guys have to be number one. Because I think it is imperative that Alabama is the number one team in the country in the college football playoff rankings if they, without a shadow of a doubt, want to make it to the national championship. I still think they can beat an Ohio State or a Clemson if they happen to be a 2-3 matchup. I still think they are very capable of doing that. But I am with you. It's definitely an easier path if if you're that number one team because I don't know if there's anybody outside – those 
those three teams in college football that are capable of winning a national championship, everyone outside the top three, that top three is Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. Everybody outside the top three has clear and certain limitations that will prevent them from winning a national championship. And I think the number one thing that what happened to Alabama Saturday is you went out in the regular season, you make the college football playoff. The the SEC title game, just like it was for LSU last year, no longer matters. You're going to the college football playoff. If you play Georgia again and you lose and you just don't get – I think if you lose by 17 or less because you already beat them by 17 or more, I think – or by 17 – I think you're in the college football playoff no matter what. And does that open the door back for Georgia? Who really knows? Is Georgia going to run the table the rest of the year? I don't think they're better than Florida. Now, could Florida get in? I don't know. They've lost to Texas A&M. How about the Texas A&M win right now for Alabama? Not That doesn't look too bad either. That's really fair. I forgot about Texas A&M on the Alabama resume. I think Texas A&M is to North Carolina as Georgia would be viewed to Notre Dame on the Clemson schedule if – Notre Dame ends up making the ACC championship. I think Texas A&M is a better win than North Carolina by a long shot. And I think Georgia is a better win than Notre Dame. So I think when you compare the resumes, you even have to put Alabama at number one. Let's transition away from Alabama right now. Gus Malzahn's seat at Auburn is the hottest it has ever been, it feels like. This Auburn team, its head is bobbing up and down above water right now. Auburn sitting at 500, 2-2 for the first time since September of 2016, Auburn could fall below 500. That is a monumental moment in Gus Malzahn's tenure right now with the way and how the verbiage is out there and how people are talking about Malzahn and how disgruntled people are with Malzahn. Which way will the Tigers go, up or down? And they're taking on Ole Miss, which I, I think is a tricky game. I think they, I think Auburn matches up with Ole Miss pretty well. Auburn's running the ball as a top four team of the SEC right now, statistically, Auburn's fourth right now in yards per carry as a team. Tate Bigsby himself is third in the SEC among players in yards per carry right now with over six yards per carry. And Ole Miss's defense right now, defending against the run, is like paper mache. They're giving up 265 yards per game on the ground. So you can see the matchup favors Auburn, I believe, even though Ole Miss is going to put up some points as well. There's concerns on both sides for these teams. Ole Miss drops to one and three. Auburn sitting at two and two. But talking about this Auburn-Ole Miss matchup, which way is Auburn going to go, up or down? It feels like the Cats got nine lives. Is it out of lives? I think Gus has used eight, man. I was with you. I was with you last week where I thought, you know, the seat was hot, but if you beat Will Muschamp, Things really lax off of you a lot. And I thought that Auburn would win that one by a touchdown, as you reminded me on the show from last week's show. I'm not sure where they go. Ole Miss now comes out with something to prove. Matt Corral, is he going to throw six picks again? Now, are are they going to stop Auburn from running the ball? Ole Miss is the worst defensive team in in the country. And I don't think it's close. They're really bad. Um, in the SEC, maybe not the country. <laughs> who I'm just trying to figure out. Maybe Georgia Tech has the worst defense of the country. Maybe. Are we talking I, about Power Five teams here? Yeah, because Power now Five. West is back, baby. Power Five. <laughs> I think Georgia Tech may have the worst defense after what Clemson did, but they have the worst defense in the SEC. This is the te- These are the teams that Gus beats, right? And he beat normally beats them handily. 
But normally when you play a team like this, they don't have an offense with the caliber as Ole Miss as I once again remind myself of the horrible performance last week against Arkansas. That Lane Kiffin in this offense will score points. I just think Auburn scores a lot more points in this one. And I think they rely on Tank, Tank Bigsby. They better. They, this is a game where Bo Nix doesn't have a lot of pressure on him. He's a, he doesn't stare at the ground and look at the defensive lineman the whole game. And he throws a bunch of balls up and Seth Williams comes up with all of them. And Auburn's going to, I think Auburn easily gets in the 40s. I think that'll be a refreshing thing for the Auburn fan base. But to me, it's how many do you give up? Because of Auburn now, you're kind of looking at your defense and saying for the last three years, for the last three years, your defense has been the thing that you've hung your hat on. The quarterback play was never there. The running game kind of slacked off after carry-on left. But now you're looking around saying, where is that defense to keep this still, especially to keep this young Auburn offensive line in a game? Because I think that's what's hindering Auburn a lot. If, if our defense could just keep us in it, we'd find ways to win. And you were in it last week against South Carolina. But that's not a good South Carolina team. I think the offense now is putting unnecessary amounts of pressure on the defense. I think it's the offense's fault. I'm putting more culpability on the offense now. And last week, I didn't think it was that way. I thought it was just, you know, the hurricane was the reason for a a struggling affair against Arkansas. But now after the offense gave South Carolina multiple short fields on interceptions, after they put an unnecessary amount of pressure on the defense because of those turnovers, I think it's the offense's fault up to this point, and I don't think it's the offensive line anymore. I'm putting it on the quarterback's shoulders right now. Bo Nix, at the moment, is not making good decisions. He's got a lot of time bought for him in the pocket, and he's getting happy feet. I mean, he could he could audition for that Penguin movie if he wanted to. Okay, he's all over the place, and he's throwing it into double, triple coverage. He's making poor decisions. Now, I think the offensive line has performed fine. Here's a fun stat for you about the Auburn offensive line. They are 14th in the country in tackles for loss allowed per game. 14th. That's pretty good. That's not a bad offensive line. Auburn has a top-half offensive line of the SEC. It's not a completed product, but also with those rushing numbers I gave you earlier about Auburn, how they're fourth in the SEC in yards per carry. It is not an offensive line issue now. It is a quarterback issue, and you got to take the pressure off of them. If Tank Bigsby had 10 more carries against South Carolina, Auburn wins. You know why? Because they don't throw three interceptions. They don't throw three interceptions if they give Tank Bigsby 10 more carries in that football game because the ball's out of Bo Nix's hands at that point. And also, you're going to be cutting them up on defense, running the football as well as they were. I don't know why Auburn did not use Tank Bigsby in the Auburn rushing attack more. DJ Williams is running the ball really well as well. Auburn's got two solid running backs, one of which is great and is already showing how special he is. If Auburn does not run the football, if Auburn does not give Tank Bigsby 25 carries against Ole Miss on Saturday, well, they they have a colossal failure on the offensive side of the ball. You got to take the pressure off of Bo Nix, and you got to put this ball on the ground. That's how this Auburn offense is going to turn things around. That's how this Auburn football team is going to turn things around. Uncharacteristically, Auburn has more passing attempts this year than they do rushing attempts. More. Yes, that is a true stat. Auburn has thrown the ball more than they've ran the ball. That's not Auburn football, and that is not the secret well, to winning games. Did you not see that? Pass attempts in a football game is not how you win at Auburn. Did you not? see that coming though this year does, i did it i still keep it on the ground in december gus Malzahn and I, I don't the auburn fan base and it seems like it rolls over to the auburn coaches they feel like they have to say something they have to hype something up and here's gus Malzahn, december 9th 20, 2019 bo nix is going to win plenty of championships at auburn 
Gus Malzahn thought he was going to ride into this year and ride his his sophomore quarterback. But what I got to ask, what has Gus Malzahn seen at practice? What has Gus Malzahn and Chad Moore seen in the film room to for Bo Nix to throw the ball 47 times in one game? Are they watching the same guy we are? Because you have one receiver, and he's getting bracketed. Why not? Why is why are they not running the football? Which is what a Gus Malzahn, Gus Malzahn offense is predicated on. That was Chad Morris's offense. But what is Gus? What have Gus Malzahn and Chad Morris seen from Bo Nix ever to say this guy's a fifty pass a game guy? I don't know. And he's got all the talent in the world, I think, to compete for Heisman for a Heisman Trophy one day. I think he can be that good. I see that potential, but he ain't there yet. You don't want to put it all on his shoulders as a sophomore, is especially Mac, when you are breaking in a new O line. Is Mac Jones better running back? You got to figure things out to make it more simple for him. Is Matt is so going into this year? Everybody said Bo Nix was a better quarterback than Mac Jones. Wrong. If you put Bo Nix at Alabama, how good is Bo Nix? I think he's a lot better. I do. I think he's a I lot agree. better. But I think I think you I think you would see Bo Nix benefiting from what's around him, though. That that's what I'm trying to get. At. I'm not oh. necessarily saying that I, Bo Nix is intangibly better than Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Bo Nix. I really do. I don't know if Mac Jones would do a whole lot better than Bo Nix right now at Auburn. I think he would perform a little bit better, but we just don't know. It's hard to take these two quarterbacks out of their situation. No, country versus above average O line. You got best receivers in the country versus above average receiving core. You got a great running back against a, another great running back. I think the only thing that's comparable there are the running backs as far as talent around their quarterback. So it's hard to take those guys out of their situations and evaluate them at the other team. I think Bo Nix gets better. I think Mac Jones gets worse if you switch the two, but I don't know how by how much. I think that Auburn's athletics department, Alan Green, and the fan base have finally seen everything they need to see from Gus Malzahn. Play, the, it still wasn't there last year, so you bring in um, oh, Morris, and it's still not there. It's still not there. And I, and to me, that's that speaks volumes because, all right, I'm giving up the playbook. We're going to hand it over to Chad, and it's still not there with probably the best. I think the best, I know you landed Sean White and some other guys, but the best prospect that you could have molded into an Auburn all-time great in Bo Nix has one, two, what, 13, 12 starts last, 13 starts last year, four starts this year, 17 starts under his belt, and I don't think he's any better than he was when he played Oregon to open up the game last year, open up the season last year. It, 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 it looks the same. He hasn't improved a ton. He hasn't improved noticeably. It's just marginally. Um, like I said, Auburn is in danger of dropping below 500 for the first time since September of 2016 when Auburn started out 1-2. Auburn still had a great year that year, but it's symbolic right now of a sinking trajectory if Auburn drops to 2-3. and three. This cat has felt like it's had nine lives. We'll see if it's if it's if it's running out yeah, or if this or if this train's gonna gonna keep going. Will Auburn go up or down against Ole Mess? We got speed round presented by the Brown Insurance Agency coming up next here on the other side of this break on on the line, and then we'll wrap up the show with game picks coming up later here on AU one hundred, Kicks ninety six point three, and Fox Sports Central Alabama.
You're listening to On the Line with Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. We'll be right back. You're on the line. Now, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law. It's time for Speed Round, brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you are fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. Nor Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on On the Line on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama or on demand on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Jeremy, same rules as always for speed round. This week, we got six questions. We'll try and spend two to three minutes on each one. You ready to go? Let's do it. Question number one. We'll play some over and under to start out speed round this week. We got three over and unders here for you. Our first one, will Tennessee score over or under 17 points on Alabama? Keep in mind, Tennessee has only scored seven points in the last six quarters. Who? I don't know. I think 17 in the game against Alabama. Realize how much Alabama's defense is going to be on the field in this game because Tennessee's defense will not stop Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, John Mechie, Najee Harris, Brian Robinson, Landon Dickerson, Leatherwood, um, Ekior, Deontay Brown, Evan Neal. It won't stop these guys. It will not stop them. I, I think but because of the sheer amount of attempts that Tennessee will have to score and plus how bad Alabama's defense is, I think they can get 17, but I think you're talking about a 50. What, what's what's the difference between 30 to 7 and 51 to 17? To me, there is none. I think 51 to 17 looks better on the resume at the end of the year for style points. It just feels a lot more jarring. 30 to 7, you're like, yeah, that's a pretty realistic score. 51 to 17, you're like, oh my gosh. I think what Nick, happened? I think Nick will try to do I don't think he'll try to do it to Pruitt. I think Pruitt is the one assistant that left the right way. Lane and Kirby all out the door. Kirby's taking pictures of recruiting boards. Lane Kiffin dips in the middle of a national title run in between a playoff game. Jeremy did it the right way, but how bad does Nick Saban want Jeremy Pruitt back on his staff? I think that might be why you see Nick Saban run the run the score up a little bit. I'm going to go with under 17. I'll go with under 17. I think this Tennessee offense has some serious issues right now. Is Garantano the guy? Is he? Is he not? Here's the fun fact about Tennessee that I've left out so far. Tennessee scored more points for Kentucky than they have themselves in the last six quarters. Two pick sixes to the Wildcats. They scored 14 points for Kentucky, and Tennessee has scored seven points in a game and a half of football. They looked like they were going to win the SEC East after the first half against Georgia. That Tennessee is long gone. Question number two, over-under for Auburn Ole Miss is set at 70.5 points combined between those two teams. What are you taking? Oh, man, that is a lot. You got to go under, right? 40 to 30 game. I think you go under. I don't know how much. I think Ole Miss is just a turnover nightmare right now. I don't know. That's just a big number. You got to take the under on this. I'm going to take under as well, just because it is very high. I mean, a 34-31 game doesn't get you. Just think about that. I mean, that's very true. 
I think Auburn's better. I think Auburn's going to play better this game, and I think Auburn's going to score, which is going to jack that number up more. And keep in mind, South Carolina and Auburn were at 52 points. Another touchdown there drives it into the 60s. I'm with you. I, I like your logic, very sound logic there. I think Auburn is going to score more. I think it's going to be close to that 70.5 mark. I still don't know if I have a ton of faith in this Auburn defense to be able to stop what Ole Miss is going to do on offense, but Arkansas found a way to do it, so maybe Auburn can. This year in college football, and the SEC as well, it's just been so much. You just don't know anything about anybody, and we are four weeks through the SEC season. We don't know anything about anybody because Ole Miss looks great against Alabama. I think that they're the third best team of the SEC after they play Alabama, and then they lose to Arkansas, and I'm like, well, is Arkansas the third best team in the SEC West right now with the way that they've been playing recently? It's hard to figure out teams right now because one week you look great, the next week you look bad. But I'll take the under on this one. Over under 20 carries for Tank Bigsby against Ole Miss. I think he's going to get 22, 23 touches. I think you have to at this point if you're Gus. you got to find a way to relax Bo Nix. You have to find a way to take some, a little bit of pressure off of him because there's a lot of pressure on Bo Nix right now, and people are coming at him just as bad as they are about Gus. Now, deservedly so by the play, I don't ever think it's okay to go after him, but it is okay to critique Bo Nix at a big-time D1 program for being I'm pretty pretty below, I think below average over the first four weeks of the college football season. If Auburn's going to win this football game, it better be over. If it's under 20 carries, it means that Bo Nix had to throw the ball too much, which means Auburn's probably playing from behind or it's been a back-and-forth game. And I don't think it benefits Auburn for Bo Nix to be put into a pressure situation, especially after we've seen how he's reacted to pressure situations over the last three weekends of the season. And so I think this has to be over if Auburn's going to win this game. And I would love to see it at like 25. I don't want to see Tank Bigsby get hurt or run into the ground, but I would love to see the guy get at least 25 touches. And all of that doesn't have to come on the ground. You can throw the ball to the guy too, but I want to see the guy get at least 25 touches, at least 25. If he gets 25, he's going to have a huge day. I mean, 200 yards is possible for Tank Bigsby in this game with the way that he's running the football right now. I mean, there was a play that I'm thinking of right now, and everybody's going to be know what I'm thinking of in the South Carolina game where they, they run him off tackle. He's getting upfield. He makes contact probably about four yards down the field. He sheds two guys off of him right there, and as he squeaks through a hole, he makes a juke on a guy and adds another three yards to the carry. That is special level running from a freshman running back. I got to see this guy get 25 carries. I'm going with the over. Question number four, is Mac Jones the best quarterback in the SEC? So we're comparing him to Kyle Trask right now. Slow down on Tank Bigsby, big guy. Yes, Mac Jones is the number one quarterback in the SEC. I don't think there's really an argument at this point. Mac Jones with a worse defense, what I thought was the worst defense, is able to get it done against Texas A&M. Kyle Trask isn't able to get it done. I mean, not only Mac Jones gets it done, he gets it done handily. To me, when I look at Mac Jones and his body of work and how he's able to carve up for 400-plus yards the Georgia defense, he, let's Mac Jones, I never thought I'd say this, he is definitely a top – he's a top three quarterback off the board in the NFL next year. It is so hard to compare these two quarterbacks for me because I'm trying to think about what Kyle Trask – I'm trying to take them out of the offenses. So many times in these situations, we see people and analysts compare the offenses instead of the quarterbacks. And I'm trying to take them out of their situations and think about them. And it's hard to do because Kyle Trask 
He's got weapons on hey, the offensive side of the ball, but Pitts. he doesn't have Mac Jones weapons. What was that? He's got Tony and Pitts, man. I think those are pretty close to Mac Jones weapons. I don't know, man. Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, and the way that they're able to stretch the field. I think Mac Jones is a better downfield passer than Kyle Trask. But I, I think over the past couple of seasons, Kyle Trask's body of work has maybe shown us that he is a better um, he's a better guy in between the tackles when you're throwing the football. And I know we don't describe quarterbacks like that. I'm saying in between the hashes, he's better at throwing across the middle of the field maybe with consistency than a Mac Jones is. Mac Jones is probably better downfield. But it's so hard to, to talk about these two quarterbacks with their situations because I think the offensive coordinators are largely different as well. Sark is 10 times the coordinator on offense and the orchestrator and the maestro on offense than what Florida's putting on the field right now with Dan Mullen and his staff and the way that they're orchestrating things on offense. I think Matt Jones, if you're comparing these two and how elite they are in college football, Matt Jones may be benefiting a little bit more than Trask is, but I do think that they each do things better than the other in different categories. Matt Jones, a better downfield passer. Trask, I think, probably better inside the hashes. And Trask, probably also more mobile. Question number five and six are going to be basketball-related here. Auburn basketball set to take on Baylor in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. A young basketball team has got quite the challenging schedule this year. They play Gonzaga in what's going to be presumed to probably be Auburn's season opener in the tournament, in that Disney Orlando tournament. Auburn's going to be playing Gonzaga as probably their season opener. We don't know that for a fact, but that's what it's looking like. And they've got to play Baylor now, who is a projected top 10 team. Went 26-4 and last year overall. How will these young Tigers, how will these Tiger Cubs handle it this year? Uh, after how you can't just Auburn's been good lately but we just can't throw it out on youth this year well they're young this year uh, when you're at the top but you're at the top nobody's going to cut Auburn any slack because they got some young basketball players on the roster this year I think they struggle to get to 20 wins it's going to be a tough 20 wins I think there's it's a, a good SEC your cross state rival is as good as they've been in the last 30 years probably for any, especially from a roster standpoint I think, to me, I, when I look at this Auburn basketball team, I will say they're young. I'm just saying nobody's going to cut you any slack because you're young. But nobody cuts Bruce Pearl and Auburn slack anyway. It, Auburn's kind of the team in basketball in the SEC other than Kentucky that I think people love to hate. I, I, I think it is. And, it, and I think it stems around Bruce Pearl's history. A lot of people don't like Bruce Pearl for some reason outside of this Auburn sphere. And Auburn people love Bruce Pearl. He's the most beloved coach on campus. I mean, but a lot of people think this the FBI scandal is is still haunt lingering over Auburn a little bit too. I read an article about this week saying a Division One coach, an anonymous Division One coach, has told you probably how credible this is that this <laughs> is only a matter of time before they come to get Auburn for how they for what they did in that scandal. I don't know. To me, there's well, what did Auburn do? My my point about that, and now we're veering off of this, and then we'll move on to the last question. They Auburn didn't benefit from it. Those guys were already on campus. The assistant went rogue. He's been, he's already gone through the judicial process, and Auburn didn't benefit in any way. And also, Auburn did time serve. They said they sat those guys out for almost two full seasons. I uh, think Auburn's uh, paid their dues. I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that's Auburn not true. Benefited. I'm not saying that's not true. But the judicial system and the NCAA are two are two different deals. Now, self-imposed sanctions and sanctions handed down by the NCAA are two different things as well. You know, yes, and uh, you can't. You cannot. You again. can't tell me that Bruce Pearl had no idea that his assistant was going rogue. 
Just, but I, I don't think you can also prove that he did know. No, no, come on. That's like saying Nick Saban doesn't didn't know that Bo Davis was meeting with the recruit in his spare time. Yes, he did. Come on. Well, you don't know. You can't prove it. That's I'm just saying that that, that scandal's still out there. Prove these things. What's up with the tide? I have a, a problem with the NCAA and how they hand down and how they hand down sanctions. You got to be able to prove this stuff. Well, no, they don't though. That's the NCAA. Is they don't have. They just do what they want to do. Which is ridiculous. I agree. Last question. We'll talk about Alabama's opponent here. They're playing Oklahoma in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Considering Oklahoma went 19-12 and last year, they're a good program. But this is definitely a break for Alabama in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I'm not painting that negatively. No, it is a break. I think this Alabama team is going to be one of the most exciting teams in the SEC. And it's fortunate for the league that they got an easier matchup, that they didn't have to play a Kansas or a Baylor when you're talking about the SEC trying to get wins in this thing. Absolutely. I agree with that. And it is it is a little bit of a break for Alabama and the SEC when you do look at the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I think Alabama's got a chance to win this game and start it off. And, and I think Alabama has a chance to start this season off re- well in the non-conference. And then they'll get an SEC. And let's really see what they're about. Because I'm one of those guys, I, when it comes to Alabama basketball, I have blood, sweat, and tears involved as well. I I have to see it before it happens. I have to see it before I believe it. It has to happen before I'm going to say, oh, Alabama's a great basketball team. I, I, I'm not sure. I'm still – they should be, but are they? I don't know. <laughs> I think this is a contract year for Nate Oates, and it's hard to believe that I'm saying that after year two. But the expectations have now risen to that point where I think if he underperforms – and I even think he kind of underperformed last year. If he underperforms this year, well, he won't be out, but year three is going to be even Listen, more important. If Alabama lands Kool-Aid McKinstry, it's because of Hodgson's and Nate Oates because they're recruiting him really hard right now. That's going to be tomorrow, his commitment. Nate Oates could get a contract for five years just by making sure Kool-Aid is on the Alabama football team. We'll be fine. That does it for Speed Round, brought to you by the Brown Insurance Agency. Life is coming at you fast, just like Speed Round. Make sure you and your family are in good hands by allowing Lance Brown to be a part of your team. He'll make sure that you understand your policy and that you're fully protected. Call Lance Brown Allstate at 334-758-0088 or visit at 3051 Frederick Road in Opelika. On the other side of this break, we got game picks coming your way here on On the Line. This is On The Line. Wrapping up On The Line, Noah Gardner and Jeremy Law with you on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. It's time for game picks here for you, and I edged out Jeremy last week to retake the lead in the overall standings. I went 4-3, and three. Jeremy went 3-4. and four. We've had a couple of rough weeks, a little bit of a slide for both of us. The only game we picked differently last week was Georgia-Alabama. I'm sitting at 31 and 18 overall, Jeremy at 30 and 19. But let me tell you, you were talking about trying to take chances from here out. Just wait. I tend to blow things like this because I like to get spicy with my picks. I and so. I got some spicy picks this week. I hope so. And I, I'm not gonna I think I like I think you win when you gamble. Not that we're gambling, but when you play it close to the when you when you play the lines, you usually come out and you win those. You don't have to do anything fancy. Let's start it off right here. Number 23, NC State at number 14, North Carolina. 14 and a half point favorites are the Tar Heels, 11 a.m. ACC Network. We still don't know a lot about North Carolina, other than they just lost to Florida State. NC State, however, seems like they're 
you know, an okay program this year, an okay team this year. Is North Carolina going to just okay? Is North Carolina going to win this game by 14 and a half over two touchdowns? I don't think so, but I do think Mac Brown and North Carolina, these Tar Hills, they come out ready for this game. I'll, I'll take the Hills in this one. North Carolina, if anything, what we know about North Carolina through this point of the year is that they're not as good as A, I thought they were, or as that number five ranking that they were at last week. And I'm quickly trying to pull up the North Carolina schedule right now to see if they've beaten anybody by 14 and a half points. And they have beaten Syracuse in week one, 31 to six. But if you'll remember, in the third quarter, it was seven to six. So I don't think this North Carolina team has proven that they're capable of beating any team on their schedule from here out, maybe by you know, 20 points. I don't think that we're going to see that again from this North Carolina team unless they improve by leaps and bounds. But much more, I don't think that they're going to be able to beat a, a team like NC State by 14 and a half. I do think they get this win. North Carolina's a little bit more buttoned up on both sides of the ball than NC State is. NC State's not a bad team. They can score the football 33.6 points per, per game. But on defense, they're giving up more than 30 per game as well. So I like this North Carolina team just like you do. Game number two here for you. We'll go ahead and we'll get this Auburn pick in here. Auburn, three-point favorites at Ole Miss, 11 a.m. SEC Network. Get your coffee ready. Breakfast with the Auburn Tigers week four this year. Fourth time of the year, I think, Auburn. Is this your third 11 a.m. kick? It's the third 11 a.m. kick. Third 11 a.m. kick with the Auburn Tigers. You have won one, lost one, and now you're going to Ole Miss. I just don't like Ole Miss. I know they played Alabama well. I know that they can score at will when they don't turn the ball over. They almost came back and won that Arkansas game after all those turnovers. It almost looked like Matt Carell, he knew what the betting line was, and he was going to make sure that he didn't win. I mean, he was throwing balls right to Arkansas. I like Auburn in this one. I think the recipe for success, as you're going to talk about in a second, is just hand the ball to Tank Bigsby. Keep the ball out of Lane Kiffin's offense's hands. Keep the ball out of Matt Corral's hand. And just control the line of scrimmage and control time of possession. And I think there's so little pressure on Bo Nix in this game to where if you are able to run the ball, you take it all off of him. And I think Auburn, although a three-point favorite on the road, I still think Auburn can win this one by 10. 10 or more for Auburn. Every time I've reached this juncture with Auburn, and it's happened several times in the Gus Malzahn tenure, 2015, 2016, even happened in 2018 a little bit. Every time we've reached this juncture in the Gus Malzahn tenure where it's like, all right, which way is this going to go? Is this going to go up or down? Is this team going to stay together or fall apart? I've always picked against Auburn. When it's reached this point where it looks like it's so bad that this team can't come back from it, I've picked against Auburn. And after South Carolina, this is the hottest seat we've seen Malzahn at. I'm not picking against Auburn this time. I'm going to take old. I'm going to take Auburn to beat Ole Miss. I think Auburn's going to win, and I'm with you. It should be by about ten points, maybe even a little bit more than that if the defense can show up. Because I think Auburn's offense should be able to score if they just hand the ball off to Tank Bigsby, DJ Williams too. Just hand the ball off to the guys. Let them run it. They're doing just fine on the ground, and Ole Miss can't defend the run. I think this begins to go up for Auburn though. They're t- we're about to find out if Auburn's going to sink or swim. That, that's really where we're at right now. A two and two Auburn could fall below 500 for the first time since 2016. In September of 2016, Auburn was one and two. Auburn could fall to below 500 for the first time since then. If Auburn wins right here uh, across these next four games, even including the Ole Miss game, the the combined record of Auburn opponents over these next four weeks are five and ten. 
Every game here is winnable up until the Iron Bowl and should be won. If Auburn beats Ole Miss, I think they beat LSU. If Auburn beats LSU, they definitely beat Mississippi State with the way they look. And then Auburn's 5-2, and two, and you're going and taking on a Tennessee team that right now is just trying to figure out how to throw it to the guys in the orange jerseys. All right? And I think Auburn beats Tennessee in that one. So I think this is the beginning of a four-game winning streak for Auburn going into that Iron Bowl. Auburn's going to be sitting at 6-2 and two going into that game. Um, we'll see how Auburn finishes out the rest of that season against Alabama and Texas A&M. If they lose two, yeah, I think Auburn people see this season as a failure. I think if they win one of those two, then I think they see it as a success after how bad this year started. And so um, this this is a crucial point, and I'm taking Auburn to win it against Ole Miss. Third game on the docket, Oklahoma at TCU, 11 a.m. ABC. Oklahoma favored by six and a half. Yeah, give me Oklahoma. I still don't think – I know Oklahoma had some slip-ups. They don't play a lot of defense, but it feels like the more your quarterback is able to play in this system, the better that that offense is always going to get. And, listen, Rattler and these guys and his backup, depending on who they continue to go with through the rest of this year, um, you know, they're not going to be great. But I do, I do think Oklahoma is still a good Big 12 team. TCU to me is a good team, but I just, it's so hard for me to, when I look at these two brands, and I know that's probably not the best way to pick games, when I look at these two brands, Oklahoma and TCU, and being a six and a half point favorite on the road for Oklahoma a little bit too, you just, you just, you go with Lincoln Riley, you go with the Sooners, and I, th- I think that they can continue to get better this year. And you're talking about the two offenses. Look, on paper, Oklahoma's more talented than TCU, and Oklahoma plays more offense than TCU does. I mean, you look at how TCU lost to Kansas State a couple of weeks ago. Oklahoma had to sideline Spencer Radler for a little bit in that Texas game, but he came back in and he led the team well, and they came back and won in triple overtime. I like Oklahoma to win this as, this one as well. Fourth game here, and I know who we're picking, number two Alabama at Tennessee, 2.30 p.m. CBS. We talked about Tennessee, if they're going to score 17 points or not. Real thing here is, is Alabama going to cover minus, 20, minus 21 and a half on the line? Yeah, just give me Alabama. Alabama big. I think they can win this game by four touchdowns. Um, and that's that's probably pretty conservative for Alabama in this one, considering how good they are on offense. Tennessee just has no quarterback. And that's really what I feel like they're missing. They're missing a quarterback. They're missing a centerpiece to this offense. They don't have it. Garantano, not good. Um, to me, if they had somebody serviceable, 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 they could win some football games. They could win the SEC East. Yeah. But here's here's the unfortunate thing for Tennessee right now. All of that talent that's on that offense at the offensive line, running back, and wide receiver that is surrounding Garantano, it's gone after this year. They're going to be super young next year. They had 17 starters return this year. They're going to be super young, super young. And they've wasted it because of the failures at the quarterback position. We talked earlier before the season started about Jeremy Pruitt getting that extension, and it it was not a noticeable extension, but still, they, they made a mistake. Pruitt is going to be on his way out the door because next year is going to be a subpar year as well, and Tennessee fans do not wait around. They're one of the most unruly fan bases in all of college football alongside Auburn fans as well. Number 17, Iowa State. At number 6, Oklahoma State, 2.30 p.m., Fox. I think you laughed at me earlier this year when I was thinking that Oklahoma State could win the Big 12. Didn't you? Didn't I did. You? Here we are. Yeah, oh. here we are. Iowa State's undefeated Big 12 as well, alongside Kansas State. So this game narrows the race here. It's wide open still. Uh, and <laughs> with all the troubles that Gundy and this uh, social justice stuff that they were dealing with at Oklahoma State in the offseason, 
for them to get this back on track with Shuba Hubbard and everybody and and be a college football playoff contender. They really, I think they are. They they run the table, go undefeated. I think they're in the college football playoff. I think that yeah, they win this game, and I I still think that they win the Big Twelve. I don't think that they're a great football team. I think they're fine. And I and honestly, I would still favor Oklahoma and Bedlam this year. I really do. And Oklahoma State has yet to play a good football team. Iowa State's yet to play a good football team. The race narrows. I'm taking Oklahoma State at home because they run the football well and they play good defense, and that's still the secret to winning games unless you're Alabama who can st- score 80 points a game, right? Yeah. But I think in this game, one team's a little bit more mediocre than the other, and that's Iowa State. I like what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State, and I think he's going to be a hot name on the coach carousel again this year, but I think he's definitely got limitations around him. Oklahoma State's got the best player on the field, and that makes a difference. It, this is if, if Oklahoma State loses this game, it is uh, just catastrophic for that league. I think so. I think Oklahoma State has to win this one for the Big 12. 100%. They're still trying to evade that cesspool that is Big 12 mediocrity. Kentucky at Missouri, 3 p.m. SEC Network. Kentucky continues to get better. Uh, you sleep, we sleep on them after they lose to Auburn. They end up losing to Ole Miss, and then they come out and they blow the doors off the Tennessee Volunteers with great defense. I, li- I like I like Tennessee. I know didn't Missouri beat LSU a couple weeks ago. I mean, excuse me, I like Kentucky. Sorry. I like Kentucky in this game. Missouri's offense is nothing to blink an eye at. I mean, they're pretty good too, but I, I like Kentucky. I do. Yeah, and it's funny that you say – it's funny that you say – Tennessee, because Kentucky and Tennessee have swapped places. They really have. Kentucky was 0-2 at the start of the year. Now Tennessee, you know, 0-2 in their last two games and getting walloped by Kentucky 34-7 last week. Here's the impressive thing about Kentucky. They are second in the league in interceptions, nine by that pass defense. In the last two weeks, Kentucky has made offenses that wanted to try and throw the football. They've made their quarterbacks look incredibly terrible. They've made them really struggle. I mean, K.J. Costello got dismantled through a ton of picks, and then Garantano last week threw two pick sixes, threw two pick sixes as well. That's a tongue twister with Garantano. And now Missouri's got a freshman at quarterback in Basilek, and I think Basilek's good and it's going to be good for Missouri, but I don't think he's good enough against this past event. So I'm going to take Kentucky as well. South Carolina at LSU, 6 p.m. ESPN. And there's a question as to whether or not Miles Brennan's going to play self-imposed penalties now against LSU. And somehow the Tigers are still favored four and a half at home. And I think people are just looking at names now. Yeah, LSU is in a lot of trouble. Well, not in a lot of trouble. They banned one of the most famous players that have been there in the last decade in OBJ for two years. Hey, man, he needs to just stay in Cleveland, continue to win football games. My guy. <laughs> yeah, and Edo has, like, this new hot girlfriend now that's been circulating on the internet. Like, he won a natty, got 40 mil guaranteed, and now he's, I think he almost, like, quit coaching. I don't know. This just feels like the game that South Carolina, after winning one they shouldn't win, comes out and they lose a game that they should lose, and they lose it bad. That's how I feel about this. If Miles Brennan was playing, and this is one that we're going to pick differently, you're, you're picking LSU, right? Yes. If Miles Brennan was playing in this game, I would feel fairly confident that LSU outscores South Carolina in this one. But I'm going to take South Carolina in this one. What's interesting to me about South Carolina is how well they defended the pass against Auburn. Pass defense is great. I think the offense is is getting better on a week-to-week basis for South Carolina. I'm going to take the Gamecocks in this one. I think they match up well with what LSU is trying to do. That pass defense against LSU still trying to throw the ball 40 times a game. And now Miles Brennan may not even be playing. 
I'm going to take South Carolina in this one. Number 18, Michigan at number 21, Minnesota, 630 on ABC. Row the boat. Row the boat. The first time we'll see Minnesota and P.J. Fleck since. Since. They beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Since they beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl, and they got a lot of momentum rolling in 11 months later almost. I like P.J. Fleck. I think he's the next big name. He's at a school that's too small for him right now. How does Harbaugh handle an opening season loss like this? Yeah, it took the boat a long time to get here, but you you would expect it when you're rolling it with oars 11 months now. Yeah, there's not a Yamaha 150 on the back. (laughs) They're rowing. They're rowing. I'll say this. I love your pick there. Minnesota's going to win. I think Minnesota's going to be a fun team this year with what they got at quarterback and wide receiver. Michigan's breaking in a new starting quarterback, four new starters on the offensive line. They're kind of like Georgia out of, out in the Big Ten, except without the elite defense. Minnesota, on the other hand, like I said, they're bringing back 3,200-yard passer Tanner Morgan, 1,200-yard receiver Rashad Bateman. I'm expecting the P.J. Fleck-led Golden Gophers to just be more refined after uh, week one and after this major hiatus from the Big Ten. So I like Minnesota in this one as well. And then let's wrap it up with our last game here, number nine, Cincinnati at number 16, SMU, 8 p.m. ESPN2. Cincinnati just keeps on winning. SMU, a good team. Uh, Cincinnati, um, oh, man, who's their coach? He was at Ohio State. Um, he was Fickle. The- Luke yeah, Fickle. Fickle. Yeah, Luke Fickle. He's the interim coach at Ohio State. The guy can coach some football, man. I, I really like him. I like he to me is like um, Vrabel at, in, in Tennessee. Like he, you know, he's been under the big guy for so long. He was under Urban Meyer, got to step in, got to coach a little bit, and now he's just out there winning. He's just out there winning games. You know, this could be a really disastrous week for me because we're picking different twice. If I miss both, you take the lead. If I get both, the lead builds, the lead swells. This is one of the spicy ones I was talking about. I like SMU at home here. And what Georgia and Alabama was to the SEC last week, that is what this is to the American Athletic Conference. I think these are the two best teams in the double-A seed this year, and it's a major, clash of, major, major clash of styles. You've got the best defense in the AAC going against the best offense in the AAC, and I am getting snookered into those offensive numbers because of that Alabama-Georgia game last week. And I think we see a similar type of game play out here between SMU and Cincinnati. Maybe a slow start for SMU, but I think they find their footing. I think SMU gets the job done. I love Shane Bouchelle, ex-Texas guy, and I think he gets it done against Cincinnati in our last game on our slate. So this could go differently. Once again, records coming out of game picks this week. I'm at 31-18. and You're at 30-19. and But, Jeremy, any closing thoughts before we head out of here and get out of here on On the Line? Not really. Got my cigar ready. I hate Tennessee. I hate Philip Fulmer. I hate that ugly colored orange. Alabama gets a huge win today. And that does it for another edition of On the Line on AU100, Kicks 96.3, and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Or if you're listening to that audio podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Tell you guys about the podcast. Get them brought in to the On the Line listening crew. We'll be back next week. Same time, same place. You know where to find us. God bless, everybody. Thanks for listening to On the Line, a product of Radio Alabama Sports. To follow the show on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, find Radio Alabama Sports. For more episodes and show notes, visit RadioAlabamaSports.net. 